The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this week, of course, I'm back with Wayne Ferret again because we're talking about the NFL and we're recapping week 12. Wayne, I don't know if you want to go ahead and lead it off with us or tell us about how's it going with you, I guess. Um, besides the sports world, I think both of our teams, we can't really talk too many good things about this week. Yeah, besides the sports world, it's uh, not too bad. It's beginning of December. We're almost through this dreadful year of 2020 and almost on to 2021. So um, that's the positive of what I got out of what's going on over here in uh, Eagle Land. Yeah, I think we can take uh, moral victories from each of our games, but we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll start off here with, of course, the winners and losers from the past week. Wayne, I'll let you go ahead and take it away. Yeah, for sure, Calvin. Um, so this week uh, was actually not too bad for me on Sunday being able to just you know watch it stress-free. You know, I made a, a joke tweet and put it out there. I said, well, the Eagles can't find a way to ruin my Sunday. Um, I was really looking forward to watching football, which it was nice. Like There was no stress at all on a Sunday. And um, a couple winners that really stuck out in my eyes uh, from this past weekend. Um, first and foremost, Thursday night, and you obviously can touch on this a little bit more when you, you go to your game. I have to say the Washington football team, like winners this week, like really surprised me. Um, you know, we made jokes before the year about like, you know, who has a chance to win an NFC East and, you know, how cool it would be if Alex Smith had a revival story and like, that's happening right before our eyes and too many people aren't talking about it. And, um, he's just doing what he normally does. Just game managers, like nothing flashy, just gets the job done. Um, they swept the Cowboys this week. Like I said, like, I'll let you go into further discussion about that. I don't know the last time that happened. Um, and the running game is strong with Antonio Gibson. I I didn't see this guy being anything special when the season started, but man, does he look like a workhorse back with three touchdowns. Um, and Terry McLaurin just continues to look like a sure for, for fire, I should say, number one wide receiver, uh, something I wish the Eagles had. Um, after that, I would have to say the Cleveland Browns are my number two winners of the week. Um, guess what, Cleveland? If you're a Browns fan listening to this podcast, you're not going to have a losing record this season. Um, that's got to be a sigh of relief. It's definitely a change because I think it was, what, two, three years ago you guys went 0-16? So... Definitely arrows are pointing up there. Cool stat. Baker Mayfield has not turned the ball over with an interception in a month. That's huge. They don't turn the ball over. They find success. Nothing special out of Baker Mayfield. Game manager taking a little page out of Alex Smith's playbook. 19 of 29, 258 yards and two touchdowns. Running game was strong. Nick Chubb, he's back, man. Like 144 yards on the ground. What more are you asking for? When it comes to that cold weather atmosphere come playoff time, you're going to need to run the football. I think they're trending all arrows up. I know it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know it was Mike Glennon, but again, happy for Cleveland fans. You know, they should be happy and something to celebrate going into this holiday season. And you could honestly say that the biggest winners from the weekend were the San Francisco 49ers. Look, they are at the bottom of the NFC West which would in turn put you at the top of the NFC East, which is that's how competitive that division is. And two weeks ago when people were talking about it's the Cardinals, no, it's going to be the Rams, no, it's going to be the Seahawks. Nobody was talking about the 49ers. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan came out and said, look, don't forget about us. Like, we're right here. They're finally getting healthy. They're getting their guys back. The defense got Richard Sherman back. 
man, did they miss a guy like that. Like, definitely played some lockdown defense this past weekend. And then going back to the running game, they had such that, that funnel of a new guy every week. They got Raheem Mostert back. And, again, it's his first game back. Nothing too crazy. But it's nice to have your workhorse guy back where he had 45 yards. I think two of their ball carriers had 40-plus yards on the ground. So, I mean, that's all of Kyle Shanahan and being them in and making sure everyone's healthy. Um, their defense, like, again, like, we could talk about Nick Mullins, uh, no, sorry, Nick Mullins not having a really good game, just game managing, had zero touchdowns, one interception. Um, but, again, like, they caused turnovers. They made Jared Goff look bad to the point where in the press conference, the media went after Sean McVay and said, do you have any thoughts of benching Jared Goff? Like, that's how bad it was. And, like, for me watching it from afar, going like, man, like, that's not the Jared Goff I remember watching towards the Eagles, you know, look really good against Dallas. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the two NFC East teams. But, like, he just didn't look the same. And I think that San Francisco's scary down the stretch here. I think that they have an opportunity to really squeeze in. If they can get in, they have the playoff experience from last year being in the Super Bowl. and. They could definitely make some noise, but like I said, the NFC West is fun, and like to see them back in the picture and seeing how like scrappy that division is, like really excites me for football on Sundays. Uh, but those are my three biggest winners from the week. How about you, Calvin? Yeah, so my three winners, at least for the past week, and I think you had incredibly good points for all of yours. But I'll start off with mine is a, of course, NFC East team as well, and that's the New York Giants. Believe it or not, I believe that the Giants have a really good outlook at least going on for the rest of the season you and I had talked at length on the last podcast about the old NFC East playoff standings all type of stuff and it looks like the Cowboys had a pretty darn good position to be in at least they faced two other NFC East opponents um following this past week whereas I believe um you know every other NFC East team does the same but we got to play Washington which of course didn't work out well for the Cowboys but worked out really well for Washington as you said the other team that also benefited from this past week of playing a sub-500 team is, of course, the Giants. And, I listen, the Giants should have won this game by more points. Daniel Jones may be banged up a little bit. It depends on if he plays a lot coming down the stretch. That, that definitely is going to factor into it a lot more. But they went out and they did win a game. And right now, for the NFC East, that matters a lot for the win column, right? We're seeing division leaders with four wins when we're, you know, 11 or 12 games into the season. That's that's not something we, we're, we're saying every year, year in, year out, no matter if it's this COVID stuff or not. So, for the Giants to get the win, granted, I know it's over the Bengals, but it's a really good win for them because, as we've, you know, talked about, anytime an NFC East team wins, it's something that's going to just help them out so much more going to the playoff picture because, okay, now I believe the Giants have the division lead. So... Wins a win, even if it is over just just over the Bengals and they don't have Burrow and they're sub 500, etc. Still a win for them. Uh, second winner I've got here is actually also a divisional win as well, but it's of course for the AFC and it's the Titans. The Titans beating the Colts, splitting the season series there. When the Colts came out a couple weeks back and beat the Titans on a Thursday night, that was I'd say kind of shocking the way the Colts did. It was 34 to 17, I believe, and. You know, the Colts kind of just dominated the whole game. Phil Rivers looked really good. The defense looked really, really good. All type of stuff. And I, I think you gave correct props to the Colts' defense uh, previously as well on the podcast. The only thing is that 
man, we, we did see how volatile that Colts team is when the defense doesn't play well and they do take, you know, whatever one week is off because this Colts team, man, they, they weren't stopping a nosebleed because it was 45-26 at the end of the game where the Titans won it just going away. And this does matter as we get, you know, talk more and more about the playoffs. I said a couple weeks back, I got really into the playoff picture and all type of stuff, but now... I believe one of the two teams we've seen so far is like the Buccaneers have played 12 games. And there's one other team. I think it's the Bears or somebody who's played 12 games. Everyone else has played 11. But 11 games in, Titans again. I mean, they now are leading the division because they are 8-3. and three And the Colts could have been leading the division that they had won. But now they're, of course, one game back. But almost seems like two because of how big that loss was by almost 20 points. So uh, second winner there, of course, the Titans. Third winner, it's it's a little bit of an off kind of winner, I'll say, but I did want to mention it because it feels like such a triumphal victory, and it's almost a winner for the losing team as well here. And that's, of course, going to be the Texans beating the Detroit Lions. Um, and the, the reason why I say it like that is because the Lions fired Matt Patricia and their general manager following this game, and I think they were going to let him go no matter what, but... Listen, the Lions look decent. Every single year, they look decent for a couple of games. This was definitely not one of those games. Matt Stafford didn't put up a lot of stats. Deshaun Watson didn't put up, I mean, too much of godly statistics. He had 25 pass attempts, which is, we're seeing not a ton in the NFL right now. But Watson had 17 completions for 318 yards and four touchdowns. And then Duke Johnson and... You know, Deshaun Watson also on the ground game as well, too, with, you know, getting around 50 yards both, you know, in total. But the the main guy, and any fantasy guy knows this as well, is, of course, Will Fuller just went off. I mean, he had 171 yards receiving, and it wasn't the biggest amount of yards receiving or even the second biggest amount of yards receiving by one receiver this past week in the NFL, which is something to say. But I, I think that the Texans really, it's a, it's a good moral victory at this point. They had played enough games. They'd opened up the season where they had, I believe, four, five, six losses in a row. And then they're kind of beating the teams they should, all type of stuff as well, too. So, yeah, they're now four and seven. They're not really in the playoff picture, if we're being honest. But as it stands, they're, I mean, they're third in the AFC South and you know, four and seven in the AFC is definitely not going to get you, um, you know, the seventh seed or the sixth seed or whatever in the wild card berths. But who knows? I mean, the, the Colts are seven wins that division, and Texans, of course, you know, we, we've got you know, seven and four. We've got plenty of games left down the stretch. I believe five more. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there still is a chance the Texans could just go on a, you know, now a six-game winning streak and be nine and seven, and the Colts could downfall a little bit, or, you know, the Dolphins could downfall a little bit, or even the um, the Browns here. But that it seems tough and unlikely, but I'll say it this way. I mean, it's a good moral victory for the Texans, so it, and it's good to see Deshaun Watson gets four touchdowns, and you and I have talked about it before, too. The Texans don't have a reason to tank. They don't have their draft pick for this year. So why not? I mean, just go out for it. You know, they don't have their first round or draft pick. So unless they're really trying to get that second round draft pick really high in the draft and make it the 31st pick or whatever, not a huge reason to tank anyways. So those are my three winners. Nice. I mean, that's great to hear. Um, you know, it's just... 
it's great to see some of these teams that I'm just used to in my like football watching life, like finally start to turn it around. Um, you know, you're right with the Texans, like, you know, they're we're pretty much playing to prevent, you know, Miami from really just I mean, Miami's good as it is, but like really making their team better. I mean, it seems like they're making the right selections down there in Miami and We'll talk about selections in a second when we get to, you know, my NFC East teams. But swinging it over to my losers for the week, um, I got to start off with the Carolina Panthers, man. Like, listen, they, they weren't supposed to be anything good this year. I mean, they came into that you know, mindset. They hired, you know, Matt Rule as their head coach. They're going to go through a little rebuild period. You know, they, they got to deal with Brady for two years. He got Drew Brees at the end of his career. Like, odds are it's going to take two, maybe three years to really put yourself at the top of that division. If all goes well. Um, they've come out and they've played some pretty good football, inspired football. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, to be firm with you, I think he's been a lot better than what he was advertised coming into this year. Um, but he's been banged up this year. And, you know, looking at this, this game versus the Vikings on Sunday, like, Teddy Bridgewater looked okay, but not not great. Um, he put it, put it this way, like, his knees were shot from the last game. Like, it, it was tough for him to, you know, keep going. And, you know, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey this past week, and they had to go with Mike Davis again, which has been a nice style of filling for him. Um, and they're heading into the bye. So if they would have won, you know, you have seven losses probably, right? You head into the bye and all is well. Um, they had a golden opportunity. So they had, they had this uh, Jeremy Chin, I believe his name is, had scored two touchdowns in like less than 30 seconds uh, of a football game, which is incredible. Like. Like this guy was a second round pick, two fumbles and return them both for a touchdown. Like it's almost like a blessing. Like they defense put them in a chance to win the game. And, you know, with I believe very little time left, Kirk Cousins went down the field, threw a touchdown pass to BB in the end zone to really beat them. And, you know, now they had another bye week with eight losses. It's like, all right, Christian McCaffrey's only really played three games this year. You have eight losses. You're probably out of the playoffs now like is it, it worth bringing Christian McCaffrey back and, and like for those football like fans out there that have Christian McCaffrey for the playoffs like I I would be very I wouldn't be surprised if they shut him down and heading after the bye week um so that's really a, a tough situation down there for the Panthers but again like plenty to build on their offenses there they're getting some good young defensive players uh Rizal Douglas uh, is really stepping up there for the defense but again like they had a golden opportunity to beat Minnesota, who looks like they're coming back into the picture, and they lost. Uh, number two loser of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I don't know about you. Like, I know you're a big Kyler Murray guy. Like, I watch him every week, and I don't understand. Like, I understand he can run. He's a mobile quarterback, but I don't I don't really get the hype. I just – I don't – he didn't light up the statute at all. Like, versus – New England team that's that's not good. Let's be upfront. Like they're not a good football team. Uh, they won't be in the playoffs. And he's just continuing to struggle. Like they gave him the best offensive weapon in the game in DeAndre Hopkins, and they didn't have to give up anything for him. Uh, we can make jokes about that all day, but it, he's just like finding a way not to get him the football. Like I would literally like every play just honestly throw it to him like Deshaun Watson did last year. Um, Kyler Murray went twenty three of thirty four, zero touchdown passes, zero. One interception had a 54.7 rating. 54.7. Like, I don't know if his shoulder's bothering him. I know a couple weeks ago they were, like, trying to fix up his shoulder. 
he just hasn't like looked good. Yeah, they, like the run game looks good. Like they got Kenyon Drake back. He scored two touchdowns. Like that looks good. And I get Kyler brings that element to the team, but they had a chance to put away a bad New England team. They missed a field goal. They gave the ball back to Cam Newton. Cam Newton runs for a first down with very little time left on the clock, no timeouts, and they rough him out of bounds. And they gave him another 15 yards, basically putting them in position to win the game. And it's just very, very bad discipline. And I don't think Arizona is going to make any noises here in the playoffs. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably make it just based on like the competitive nature of how they run their offense. But I, mean, I just thought that was a really big loss for them, you know, going into Foxborough with no fans and losing. But that's just me. And then my third loser, um, how do I explain this? I feel like every time I watch the Chicago Bears play against the Green Bay Packers, I convince myself it can't be worse than the last time I watched this game. Like It, it can't be worse than them getting smoked on Sunday Night Football. Like it can't be worse than Aaron Rodgers coming back to beat them the one chance they had to win. It can't be worse than this, right? Well, it, it does get worse. Like, Aaron Rodgers torched them. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. It, honestly, this was not a close football game at all. Like, for a Sunday night football, this is a spotlight game, and you came out with nothing. Like, Mitch Trubisky came out, like, fired up. Like, this is going to be his chance to really show that, you know, he should be the quarterback. And don't let this stat line fool you. The three touchdowns and two interceptions. The touchdowns came in garbage time. Like, don't let that fool you at all. They looked terrible. The Chicago Bears right now look like a joke of a franchise. I feel so bad for Matt Nagy. I don't know how much input he has on the draft and, and getting these certain players, but like they just are a bad football team. And I don't think it's a, necessarily a quarterback can save them. I think they need to get a full reset over there. Um, you know, it, it was, I've, like I said, I, I just can't keep watching the bears for the Packers and just come out with nothing, you know, at least, you know, other teams where I've seen blowout games the next year, it's at least a little bit closer. It, this is never just closer. This game was out of hand at halftime. It was done at halftime. And for Chicago, they got to take a hard look in the mirror and say, like, what is the identity of this team? Right? I believe they have five wins. And, you know, I just feel like they're trending in the wrong direction. They have five wins, six losses, or five wins, seven losses, whatever it may be. Like, it might make more sense for them to this finish out the year on the losing side of things and just lose it out. And maybe you get your chance at a quarterback. Maybe you get that Alabama quarterback. Maybe you get um, that, you know, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. You know, I feel like they just need a complete reset. Mitch Trubisky's off the books this year, so they don't have to worry about him next year. Nick Foles, yeah, I mean, he'll be a great mentor to whoever they draft, but, like, I think it's just reset time, and I feel like they shouldn't blow this opportunity um, just because they want to try and make their fans happy, they made the playoffs. Like there is so many issues with that team, but those are my three losers for the week. Yeah, I think I think you've I I think you've hit the nail on the head with the Cardinals a little bit though. That is a I mean a mind numbingly loss mind numbing loss when you look at playoff pictures and you just look at overall team success. The the fact that. Kyler couldn't couldn't do it, couldn't pull it off. That that team almost is like a roller coaster, just riding up and down as far as the season because they play so amazingly well, and they almost, you know, I mean, they do knock off the Bills. Excuse me, in an epic game of a Hail Murray, you know, type of oh my gosh, you know, here we go for the Kyle Murray possible MVP discussion, right? Which is out of reach right now. I think it's Mahomes just to lose. 
But nah, then you have this week, this game from the last week too. So I, I, I you hit the nail on the head with a ton of the losers. I just want to add in my two cents about the Cardinals, man. That was that was weird to watch. Um, my my three losers will start off here with one of the most lopsided losses I've seen in a long time. At least from a team that I thought would win going into it. And that is the, uh, well, I mean, it's it's the Falcons Raiders. I, I still don't know what happened here. I don't know how the Raiders only scored six points. The Falcons have lost games horribly. I mean, they, you look at coming in this game, I don't know what the betting line was or whatever, but 43 to six. I mean, if, if you told me going into the game, hey, these two teams are combined for, you know, 49 points, I'd go. Okay, so, you know, it's 25, 24, or, you know, it's, you know, it's 27, 22, or something like that, right? You know, it's, okay, it's a closer game, because Matt Ryan's still a good quarterback, they've got Julio Jones, they've got Calvin Ridley, you know, they've got Todd Gurley, or whatever with the Falcons, but the, the Raiders have been doing pretty darn good. All of a sudden, I, I don't know what the heck's going on with the Raiders. I mean, six points in an NFL game, but your defense falls apart so badly that you give up 43. I mean, this is a Raiders team that earlier on in the season, I think in week five, beat the Chiefs. What what in the world is going on with John Gruden and these guys? I don't I don't know. And and as I watched the game too, listen, for all the Hunter Renfro and slot receivers of the world, all type of stuff, I just wouldn't have them running a lot of wide receiver screens. I just I just wouldn't do it. I know those guys are generally, you know, faster, quit you know, and you know, more agile or whatever you want to say. They're less of like the downhill guys we're gonna get uh you a bunch of just running through you and they're gonna get a lot less of the contested catches because of their size but I don't know Hunter Renfro running wide receiver screens just isn't the answer for me there for for the Raiders but also the the Raiders like six points I can't get over it to be honest um and for whatever reason there you know Derek Carr had over 200 yards throwing the ball, you know, passed it for 34 times, but of course got benched because Nathan Peterman, the dude who threw like five interceptions and a half against the uh, Chargers when he played for the Bills, you know, came in through five passes for, you know, three completions for 25 yards. It's not even worth mentioning too much to me. And I listen, I, I don't know why the Raiders did. I'm assuming it's because they were just down so quickly, so early. You can't really start running the ball if you're down quick and it's early, but I mean, the Raiders. We we know we know how they're gonna play football. They're gonna you know have a balanced passing and and rushing game, but they're really gonna rely on Josh Jacobs a little bit more. You know he's you know I mean always you know ah oh, Josh Jacobs oh yeah yeah great seven carries seven carries that's it in the game. I mean it seems like that's the recipe for disaster right there, especially when you look at the next other leading rushers and you've got a wide receiver, you've got Devontae Booker. Um, and you've got Nathan Peterman, who I'm assuming had one just fluky carry for nine yards. But overall in the game, I don't I don't know what the Raiders are doing here. It just seemed like it was a bad overall game set from the get-go. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs had three receptions for 56 yards. How can you not get that guy the ball a little bit more or whatever you need to do? And it, like a ton of guys caught balls for the Raiders as well, too. But I can go on for a while about this. It just seems odd. I mean, 43-6, to six, that's that's one heck of a score. I don't understand what happened. Uh, second loser, I thought they would lose the game coming into the week, but that's because of the, you know, it's because they're playing the Chiefs. And so my second loser here is is the Bucks and Brady. And for whatever it's worth, Chiefs are incredibly, incredibly good. I, 
I mean, they, they went up early, and it wasn't even a game that was even that close. But you look at the game score at the end of the day, and, you know, if you and I are talking about week 16 or whatever down here down the stretch, the Bucks kind of playoff picture, it's not really a, I, I'm, I'm done with moral victories of, oh, they at least played them close, except for the fact when it's like the Super Bowl possible champion and, and the Chiefs with the MVP winner. And I think it matters a little bit that the Bucks scored 24 versus 27. But this game wasn't really that close. Um, you know, as the score indicates, it's going to be different versus the statute versus the score. Tyreek Hill, I don't know what the heck was going on with the Bucks because they could not figure out a way to just defend that dude because he had over 200 receiving yards in the first half. He was back flipping into the end zone at one point because he's just beating guys down the field. And this Bucks defense does play somewhat good football. Then they have weird weeks where they give up just a ton of yardage or a ton of points or whatever it is week in, week out. And that's more concerning for me than how Tom Brady plays week to week. I think that Tom Brady will get better week to week as he plays more with this Bucks offense. And I don't know if adding Antonio Brown helps out a ton because it's another receiver you got to who plays a little bit differently than Mike Evans or plays a little bit differently than Chris Godwin, whatever. And I, I'm assuming Brown's definitely good enough to see the NFL field because he is. But Brady was seen as, I wouldn't say necessarily like a true system quarterback, but he does play really, really smart, quick football. And you're able to play quicker football whenever, you know, all the guys, you know exactly how they're going to bend and break into routes and all type of stuff too. I was listening to a Ringer podcast where, uh, Tony Rome was talking about Tom Brady with Bill Simmons, and of course, Bill Simmons is the Patriots fan and the Tom Brady defender, et cetera, et cetera. He's asking Tony Romo, hey, why in the world is Brady throwing these interceptions? And Romo goes into it, and he goes, listen, Brady played with more or less the same wide receivers through at least an offseason before to practice, or at least for a couple of years. His favorite receivers of all time is a you know tight end and a slot receiver in Julian Edelman. And the thing with those guys is, is that you know how they're going to play into routes. You know if this guy's going to come inside on a route or go outside on a route, whatever. So my point from this is that I think that Brady will get better as he knows his receivers a little bit better. This is a really weird offseason. And the other side, too, is I think, you know, I mean, Brady at some point is we're going to say he's okay. He's getting older. But the Bucks defense can't can't stop anyone. And I understand it's the Chiefs and probably MVP winner in Patrick Mahomes. So it's kind of surprising these to even stop in 27. But it's it's discouraging. It's it's not not good when your defense is not able to stop anyone either. And this is another thing where it's like, hey, they they got the ball a bunch just to one dude. You know, I mean, I have a uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on my fantasy football team. I know that they're, he didn't do anything in that game um, against the Bucs, but I know that Tyreek Hill went off for 50-plus points. So, just kind of a weird thing with the Bucs defense there. And my third loser is uh, is the Rams. You talked about it with the Niners. That's a great win for them. That's a great win for the playoff picture. They're still in it. They're still in the hunt. That's, you know, always really should be saying. But the Rams, I mean, as you pointed out too, Derek Goff looks bad, and the whole team looks weird, and Sean McVay's press conferences, everything as well, too. I, I, I'm not going to talk about it that much more because it's, I think you put it so well when you said the winner is the 49ers, but it's the Rams are just up and down. They'll beat the Seahawks one week, and the next week they'll lose to the Niners with you know their backup quarterback or something. And the Niners have a good defense, but I, Kelsey's out for the year, and... Um, 
no, excuse me, um, George Kittle's out for the year, excuse me, I always think of those guys the same, but, you know, the 49ers best player, arguably, and George Kittle's out for the year, and they still found out a way to beat, beat the Rams, and I thought, hey, the Rams with that pass rush should be able to get to any backup quarterback extremely, extremely fast and extremely well, that's how you beat them, but it didn't matter, I mean, the, the 49ers still ended up winning the game somehow, some way, and, you know, the Rams offense is the one that looked horrible, when usually it's the Rams' defense makes the other offense they're playing against look horrible. So those are my three losers as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's so mind baffling, like just watching that Rams 49ers game. And you want to talk about bad offense? <laughs> Let me slide uh, right into my Eagles conversation now. From there, it's a good segue. Um, I'm loving that. Yeah, I'm loving it's, that. It's here. a really, really, really good segue because. Um, listen, the Eagles came into this week as heavy underdogs versus the Seattle Seahawks home game in a normal year. If we had fans, okay, maybe there's a chance they win, but like I, I, the big feeling amongst the fan base was you're probably not going to win this game. How bad can it possibly be in the first 20 minutes of the football game? Calvin, the Eagles had four yards. Four yards. 20 minutes of football is what? A quarter and five minutes. You had 10 minutes left in the second quarter before they got above four yards. That's definitely not good. Yeah. It's it's not good. There's a lot of arrogance going on with the Eagles in the front office. So don't look at the score. We'll talk about the score later because I got a nice little fun tidbit on that. But you go back to Carson Wentz. All the heat was on him this week. There was a report that came out that, what are we going to see? There's going to be plays when, he's, when Wentz is off the field and Jalen Hurts is in like, Cool. Let's see if that does any spark. Maybe they're trying to run like some Taysom Hill type thing, like they do in New uh, New Orleans. Um, well, th- that wasn't the case. Jalen Hurts only played two snaps. Um, he came in his first play, false start. So we got backed up to second and fifteen. And then his next play, he completes a six-yard pass. Woohoo! Yeah, six yards. Got back to the line of scrimmage. Basically, thirty-nine. They put Wentz back in. And Wentz got him a first down. They got to like midfield, like on their side of the 50. And it was fourth and two, and they went for it. Now, I'm not a scientist here, right? I'm not like a genius. Like everyone, you know, makes mistakes, but like we know what the obvious is, right? Fourth and two, you send Jalen Hurts out there in the shotgun with a running back. What do you think's coming? I'll run, right? So, what do they proceed to do? The Seahawks sack, they see it, they sack the box, and he tries to run a read option and gives it off and he gets stuck. Like, in that situation, if you're going to run that play, you do it with Carson Wentz. Because it at least gives that element of, like, Carson might throw it. But because you put Jalen out there, the odds are, and that's how it's been the full year, is it's going to be a run play. Jalen Hurts, one of one, six yards, no consistently played, two plays. That's it, one, two. You can count. The rest of the Eagles, Carson Wentz did not look good in the first drive. The first Three plays of the game, we talk about how we want to run the football more. First three plays of the game, passes. And it got to the point where it's like we were getting close to halftime. It's like, I don't know, maybe just put Jalen Hurts out there, second half of the game, see what happens. This game started off 14 nothing, And right before halftime, the Eagles, you know, Wentz gets them on a nice little drive, gets them going down the field. They score, throws a, um, a touchdown pass to um, a receiver that's, you know, obviously, like Dallas Goddard. So it's like your best offensive player, right? 
And, like, it's, it's nice to have an offensive guy like Dallas Goddard. Seven catches, 75 yards, one touchdown. Um, but, again, like, we're overlooking how bad and how poor his starts were. The Eagles missed the extra point with Jake Elliott. Come out of halftime. Have a nice drive. You know, they stopped Seattle and had a nice drive. Hit three points. 14-9. Okay, we have a little bit of a football game here. Not too bad. Oh, and then it just got stagnant, you know. Then Seattle kicks a field goal, and then the Eagles have a nice driver. They go down the field, and they went for it on fourth down again. Fourth and four. They're down 17-9. I'm sorry. The, the Yes, so it was they got the 12 points, the Eagles. And they had an opportunity to, you know, to be within a, a touchdown, basically eight points because Seattle scored. So it would have been 23 to 12. They would have just kicked the uh, field goal. And, you know, you're down. You know, it, it was just like a whole process of just like, okay, you would have been down eight points and you can, you know, basically make a stop and maybe you get a touchdown and can get a two point conversion and you tie it and you play it from there. Well, Doug Peterson went for it on fourth and four and it was just like Dallas Goddard wasn't on the same page as Carson Wentz through an interception. Dallas Goddard came out after the game and said, hey, I ran the wrong route. He, at least he came out in defense of his quarterback. You got to give him that, right? But, like, it was just that bad, Calvin. Like, we sat there, and, like, I sat there and watched it. And, you know, I, I listen to Doug Peterson's press conferences every week. And, you know, somebody said today that the Eagles are just getting older. They're overpaid. And they're just not talented. If you have two of those three, you – you can still make it work in a year, but the Eagles have three of those three. Doug Peterson, for some reason, is in love with Jason Peters. Jason Peters is awful. He needs to hang it up. He's ruining his legacy in Philadelphia. The longer he sticks around, the more people hate him. So it's not good. Um, he's playing with a broken toe. Boo-hoo, whippity-doo. You cry for more money, and now you're complaining that you're hurt every week. Like It's just an issue, and it's just, it goes from, like I said, the top down. It's more than just Carson Wentz. I'm going back to the offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. Like I'm not, I'm not making any mistakes. Uh, and you do it before a game that you know and the guy just tore you like, and you know what even though he was torched you know who was covering him the guy we paid a lot of money to the older guy Darius Slay the lockdown quarter 10 catches for 177 yards DK Metcalf had he literally had his coming out party against the Eagles last year and he just always will kill the Eagles and it's just embarrassing because like the Eagles schedule doesn't get any easier from here. It really doesn't. Yeah, sure, we play Dallas and Washington in the year, but I really hope you know we lay down for you guys to win those games. But like, it's it starts at the top of Howie Roseman. Like I said, you can't just draft one Pro Bowler since the year of 2012. Um, we play the Packers this week, and like, simply put, viewer discretion advised. You want to see a bloodbath? You want to see a team get destroyed this week? Tune into that Eagles Packers game, like. I think in the second half, you're going to see Jordan Love. Like, that's how bad I think this game is going to be. I think it's going to be like a 35-3 to game. Like, it's going to be a bloodbath. There's major changes coming, and I, and I believe that's the sense here in Philadelphia that the whole fan base feels and that, you know, the tournament on the radio, Jeffrey Lurie's not happy. Um, and I think it's going to start with Howie Rosen. I think he's going to be the first ticking bomb to go. And I feel like it's going to be a tryout the rest of the year for Doug Peterson. Um, he said he might give up play calling duties. He feels like he's ready to do that. Uh, he said today that he's not ready to do that. So, uh, again, like, if you're going to finish in the bottom of the barrel with a bad draft pick, or sorry, with a high draft pick, like, I want a guy like a Lewis Riddick. 
to come in there and make sure he knows football and he drafts the right guy because you can't miss on this pick coming up here. You have to make sure you hit on it because it's, it's big for your football team. You can't keep drafting guys that aren't pro bowlers that aren't stars in the league. You can't keep drafting. Don't be wrong. He's a nice role player. Derek Barnett. You can't keep drafting. I know I haven't seen a bunch, a lot of them, but Jalen Rigger, he reminds me of Nelson Aguilar. You can't keep drafting those guys. You find, you got to get a star. You're going to mean to tell the fan base last year, we took JJ Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf. And this year, this football season, I know it's still early. We took Jalen Rigger in front of Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson's lighting the world on fire in Minnesota. Can you imagine having that guy here in Philadelphia? Can you imagine giving Carson Wentz a, a weapon that's healthy? Can, like, can you just imagine giving him a young guy that he can go and grow with? And, I, and honestly, it's, it's terrible. And like, I'm going to be done with my rant here in a second. For all you betters out there, um, if you want to talk about bad beats, the uh, spread before the game was the Eagles. Uh, they were plus six and a half. So they were getting six and a half points. And uh, like I said, the, the score wasn't as pretty as it like it's, it comes out to the 23-17. There was a Hail Mary that went through up. So I believe it was Dallas Goddard. I got tipped back and Richard Rodgers caught it with 12 seconds on the clock. And, you know, that made it an eight-point game. And instead of just kicking the extra point and just getting out of there, they went for two. Then they covered on the back door. So... Cool for those betters out there. They got their nice little W, but I just, I can't foresee it getting better. Here's my thing with Carson Wentz. Like, and I, and I've said this and I'm going to keep saying by it. Like, I'm not going to give up on this guy until I see him with another coach. It's just plain and simple. Like if he has another coach, coach and he struggles and Jalen Hurts, I'll be up front with you. He doesn't look like a quarterback to me. I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's just a guy that was drafted ahead of when he should have been drafted. If you remember coming into the draft, he was a projected fifth-round pick, and we took him in the second round. But that's my you know, little rant for this week. I'm sure you have a lot to say with Dallas because our teams are in very similar situations, except that your quarterback isn't uh, playing still. Yeah, that's that's the one difference. I will say this about Jalen Hurts. You got to have the offense tailored to him. I mean, it, Hurts is one of those guys where he's he's good, but he led his team, he led his collegiate team in rushing for a season. You know, he uh, with OU at least. I I don't probably not with Alabama, but you got to tailor the offense to him. You you got to have the offense centered around him and as you said before, putting him in when it's weird spots and it's pretty much yeah, the, the other team knows exactly what you're doing, where it's a fourth and two, and the Seahawks go, okay, all right, let's see if you're going to do anything besides run the ball with Jalen Hurts, and then you do that. It, it's going to be tough. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. There's no, just to follow up on that, like that's another thing people started talking about here in Philly is like, if you do move on for Carson Wentz, are you willing to shut out the money to steal Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma and you just put Jalen Hurts with him and let him control his drafts moving forward? It's just something to think about. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, Riley has supposedly rejected offers from the Dallas Cowboys who are just a little bit, you know, south and seemingly have like three or four different OU guys on the roster for the Cowboys, at least in Blake Bell and now CeeDee Lamb, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is, too. So, I I mean, granted, the Cowboys do not have that quarterback, but, I mean, we may be drafting Spencer Rattler in three years. I don't know. 
I, I, I will say this about the Cowboys game. I mean, we do have a lot of time off in between that horrific showing against the Washington team before we play the Ravens because of the Ravens COVID stuff or whatever. So instead of having the normal kind of weird 10-day stretch you have, if you play a Thursday night game, then you don't play the Thursday night the next week. Of course, you'd play that following Sunday. But now, of course, we're not even playing that following Sunday. We're playing the following Tuesday. So the Cowboys don't have a game from November 26th to December 8th um, as it's scheduled right now, which I, I assume the NFL will keep that schedule. Just because, I mean, they they told the Broncos, hey, you're you're playing with literally no quarterbacks. We're not rescheduling your game. So I assume they're not going to reschedule the Ravens game past more than more than that Tuesday. Maybe a Wednesday, like you and I are talking right now. This is the first time we've done a podcast where we actually aren't able to talk about every single team, even though we're doing it on a Tuesday following a Monday night football game, because of course the Steelers and Ravens are being are playing a game. Not even tonight, Tuesday night, they're playing it tomorrow night, on Wednesday night, just to get all the COVID stuff, and I, I don't know if that's going to make sure that the Ravens have a bunch of their running backs, or maybe Lamar comes back, or whatever, I don't think he is, I think it's going to be somebody else, but nonetheless, I will say this about the Cowboys game, I'm just glad it's over at this point, that was, that was rough and annoying, and, and one of the worst things, for whatever it is, Washington football team has the Cowboys number, I mean, they just, they just do this season, they previously won 25 to 3, and Andy Dalton gets knocked out of the game, and is out for the next week or two, and then this game, it's just bad, they score 16, and, you know, I mean, you know, give up 41 points, and, I mean, you touched on Washington earlier in one of your winners, and I think they are a huge winner because they now they now have a much, much better standing in not just the division, but it's also just a great win to see for them as a, as a team if you're a fan of them because they are showing some life. They have four wins at least. It's better than three, you know, and Alex Smith's playing a little bit better. The defense looks a little bit better, but on the other hand, the Cowboys just... I don't know what the difference is necessarily. It really should have been like 34 to 16 or whatever because the Cowboys gave up that weird um, offensive touchdown. But either way, I mean, this is the same Cowboys team that a week prior beat the Minnesota Vikings and held serve on a, a couple of times, you know, to uh, to stop the Vikings from scoring. So it just kind of depends at the end of the day, like what in the heck are we doing here? Because as far as 16 points goes, it's, you know, it's not, not a ton of offense. I, I really wish the Cowboys had scored more. Of course, I wish it was a closer game. I wish on Thanksgiving Day that the second NFL uh, game of the day was just a lot more fun to watch. But I think you and I both know if the Cowboys end up winning the division, which we talked about last week, and it's still a possibility, don't get me wrong, it's going to be just a very odd game because that first round game, no matter who the Cowboys play in the NFC, it's going to be somebody who's much, much better and, and really, really good. So I don't know. I'm I'm annoyed that the Cowboys lost, of, of course. I'm annoyed that this is how it went, but it wasn't, it wasn't that much different than my expectations just because the whole year has just been up and down and sideways and the other the other side sideways, you know, because this Cowboys team has just not been able to do anything. Once once Dak went out, okay, season's kind of in the tank. And then, oh, wait, hang on a second. We beat the Vikings. Cool. But we beat them for our third one of the season. So it's nothing to hang your hat on. And at this point, I, 
I'd really love for us to hit on our draft picks as well, too, you know, and do better. So we'll see. I just, ah, man. I, I think the Cowboys have an easier schedule coming up just because we do at least play the Bengals and then we do play two divisional uh, matchups as well falling down the stretch. But it, it's, no, ma- no matter what, I'm going to say, at the end of the day, it's just not going to be a great year um, just because of how everything's gone and because this this next season, I think this was the make it or break it year for Dak as far as, you know, is this contract really worth it? Do we really sign him for, you know, a big contract extension or not. And the Cowboys going to be in such a weird predicament because we didn't get to see it happen either way. And because Dak got injured and the way he got injured, it's going to be a big question coming up in the future too. So, I mean, Dak bet on himself. And at the end of the day, like he didn't actually play that badly. He had really, really good stats. He just unfortunately had a really weird fluky injury, which I don't even know how you factor that into contract stuff going forward without it being somewhat in bad faith because you go dude the the injury stuff we got to talk about it you know I mean the ankle stuff we got to talk about it right you know if this is debilitating down the line where you know we sign you for five years and the third year of this contract it goes out or whatever and it's a bunch of what ifs I'm talking about because honestly that just wasn't a good game for the Cowboys against Washington so there's not a ton to talk about there at least from my perspective Zeke didn't play extremely well the offensive line doesn't look great at all but Chase Young, of course, looks great. So I think Washington's got a really good pass rush. Ryan Kerrigan looks good for them, too. CeeDee Lamb seems to be in and out of games where I go, maybe we should have drafted Justin Jefferson. I don't know. But then again, you know, Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup, I almost forget they're on the team sometimes, too. So there's just a lot of stuff. What it could have should have, a bunch of wishes. But at the end of the day, uh, oh, well. Um, move on to the next one. Hopefully we can beat a, a weirdly banged up, poorly practiced Ravens team or something and then go and beat the Bengals or something because there's not a ton of reason I see for us to go for a super high draft pick because shout out to the Jets and Jaguars they're going to take that from us but um but we might have the third or fourth draft pick we'll see yeah and like I have to go off of this now because we made our predictions before the year uh, who are we like who do you think is going to win the NFCs now looking at it right now from a whole Giants have to play with Colt McCoy now for the next two weeks, two, three weeks. They're staying with Daniel Jones out. So, like, is Washington going to run it away? Like, I feel like if Washington was going to win the division, like, this is how they would win it. Like, nobody's winning games, right? Like, I mean, like, are they the winners? Do you think Dallas has a chance? Like, do you think the Eagles are, like, done? You know, because, like, we do play you guys and we play Washington still. Five would get you there, right? Five seems but, like it would get you there. I do think Dallas is in a good spot because we do still play you guys and the Giants. And, I mean, of course, more FCs teams you can play, the better off you would think that would mean. But I believe so far in the season, if I have this right, of course, I know we've lost to the Eagles. We lost both our matchups against Washington. And I'm going back a little bit to see here. But, yeah, it looks like our we did beat the Giants. That was our... Of course, last win before that uh, that Vikings win in Week 11. So, and that that was a you know 37-34 win um, against the uh, well, today, Giants in Week Five. So, well, today, I guess to, if to you d- had to pick a winner, who are you saying wins? Like right now, if you had to pick a winner, I, I would say Washington's gonna win. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's because also the Giants don't have. Yeah, you know, I mean they do have Cole McCoy. If they had Jones, I guess I'd feel a little better about them. And the Cowboys don't play 
the Giants again until I think Jones will be back in the last week of the season. So, yeah, I I think at this point, yeah, I think it's I think it's the Washington's. I don't know if it's, if Washington's to lose, but if they still play you guys more time, it just matters what their schedule looks like and how they do. You know, breaking down because. I, I don't know. We play the Bengals. That's the only thing I can say. We play the Bengals two weeks from now, and then we play two NFC's teams and the Cowboys, so I think that gives us a little bit, but we still are one down the, in the win column right now compared to Washington and the Giants, so I'd, I, I'd give it to Washington at this point. Yeah, and that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, if you want me to be hopeful, want to be that positive guy on the Eagles side of things, like, yeah, we play the Saints in two weeks without Drew Brees. Like, man, like, Taysom Hill hasn't looked good throwing the football. If we can stop the run, that's cool, but like, Let's be completely honest. Like, I don't think we're going to win those games. I think our last chances of winning a football game is it comes down to Dallas and Washington. And I'd be up from cool if the Eagles lose out the rest of the year where we're solidified in the top five pick. And uh, you line me up with some Jamar Chase action for next year. Give Carson Wentz uh, some help because he's going to cost $60 million in dead cap next year, Carson Wentz. He's not going anywhere. Just make that very clear. Um, but just want to segue into that, uh, obviously the upcoming week, I'm looking forward to the Browns versus Titans, um, eight and three versus eight and three. The two teams are playing pretty much for the three seed in the AFC, which is pretty cool. Um, obviously I don't think anyone's going to necessarily catch up to where the chiefs and the Steelers are. Um, but I mean, I think it's a really big game in regards to seeding. Uh, the Rams versus the Cardinals. We keep talking about the NFC West. Like, you know, are the Cardinals going to get back on the track or is it going to be the Rams? Like, who is the real team? I personally think it's going to be the Rams, but you know, we'll see. Um, and then Bills versus the 49ers. Like, we talked about the 49ers got their defense back. And obviously, they're only missing Nick Bosa, who you're not going to see until next year. But, you know, the Bills didn't look, I would say, so sharp against the uh, Chargers the other day. And if they had adequate play calling with L.A., that it would have been a better game. But, again, like, I want to see Josh Allen play a top defense. And I want to see him try and, like, and actually beat a top defense. Um, because if he can do that, like, that makes the Bills for real. If he doesn't do that, I don't think they're real at all. So, I think the 49ers win. Like, they're going to at least gain ground on one of the two teams in the Rams or the Cardinals. You know, and... You know, Seattle, I wouldn't, like I say, say that they're a lock to win that division. So those are my, like, three games I'm really interested in seeing. Obviously, I'm going to sit through that torture at 425 on Sunday with the Eagles and Packers and really just take the uh, the punch to the chin. But, you know, those are the three I'm looking forward to. How about you, Calvin? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'll be watching Tuesday, December 8th, the Cowboys at Ravens at 705 Central Standard Time. Um but and I, I think you threw out a, a bunch of the great matchups, so I only have one more to add on here, and that's the uh, and you might even mention it's the Rams Cardinals, um, just because that is yeah. divisional stuff. Uh, I think that was one of the games you mentioned, and I, I think it'll be. Uh, I mean, I mean, the second seed in that NFC West spot will will matter a lot, um, just because it looks like it's the Seahawks to lose, or at least right now, at least for the time being. Because the Seahawks do play the Giants this week, so they should get another win and knock down the Giants a little bit as well, too, here. I I don't know. Um, 
it's so weird looking here and seeing four and seven football team at at Steelers ten and zero. Um, just the way the NFL.com has the schedule laid out, where it just has the mascot or the team name, excuse me, instead of the city there. But uh, it's just so weird seeing football team all italicized and bold. Um, and I, I mean, I think I think though I think you hit on almost every single game um, going here. I mean, it, what the Dolphins Bengals? I mean. Okay, Dolphins, you know, I mean, what I think we can say is that there are a bunch of matchups going forward here where we saw this past week that, weirdly enough, the team either lost or weirdly won by a few amount of points. And so, okay, do the Raiders bounce back? Well, they're playing the Jets. They should. We, You know, but they should bounce back by a ton. It should, that shouldn't be a close game, right? So, I think it's going to be a lot of that type of stuff that we're talking about next week is... Oh my gosh, that Saints-Falcons game was really close, but the Saints still won, or the Falcons somehow won, but it was because Taysom Hill didn't play that well, or, or whatever it is. I still cannot figure out why James Winston wouldn't be playing right now for the Saints. Because he was signed for... I mean, was he signed for just one year? Because if so, I get it. But if he's signed for more than one year, I feel like you could just get James Winston and keep him in there and rolling along and then trade him this offseason if Taysom Hill looks halfway decent or something. I I will not understand the idea of playing Taysom Hill, a guy who is older by a considerable amount, I mean, in NFL terms, than the the second-string quarterback, arguably, in Jameis Winston. So I, I don't know what the Saints are doing, but they're, they're winning games. They're 9-2. So, I mean, I'll eat my words, you know, until I'm proven wrong. They're, they're playing pretty darn good there. So... Shout out to the Saints. Well, Wayne, I think that's going to go and cap it off here for the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Any final thoughts? Just hoping it's uh, somewhat close and entertaining for me on Sunday. I uh, I like the feeling where I'm not upset on Monday morning, put it that way. <laughs> I'm with you. Say, hey, sometimes the Packers just play weird, bad games and... Hopefully the Ravens have one in the tank, too, that they haven't played out all their weird bad games yet either, at least for the Cowboys' concerns. So, always love to see a win. So, Wayne, thanks so much for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for more. We'll catch you guys again soon. Peace.